Hey everyone, welcome back to the Spirit of Design podcast. It's Anya here. Today's episode is a live recording Amy and I did last year on Instagram on rethinking fashion supply chains. This came at the beginning of our conversation around these ideas and we explore transparency, circularity, language, systems change, supply chains as a co-creative process, the importance of inner work for the creation of sustainable supply chains, and loads more. This is a topic we are going to expand upon in way more depth in our upcoming virtual roundtables, a free digital conversation space where each month we explore a new topic centered around sustainable design. This will begin in March, and we invite all creatives and designers to join us as we are so excited to hear what you have to say. Follow our Instagram as we release more details on this shortly. Also, this is an unedited raw version of this conversation, so please excuse the background sounds. Enjoy. Spirit of Design delves deep into the unseen elements of design and holistic sustainability. Join us, Amy and Anya, for open conversations with creatives, scholars, activists, and others to envision alternative design futures that are diverse, inclusive, community-centric, and in symbiosis with all life on this planet. As always, I'm just going to wait for Anya to join me, and then we'll kick it off. Kia ora. Hi, Maria. Uh, Anya, yeah, you're here. Great. So once Anya jumps on, we're going to dive into rethinking supply chains today, which is going to be super exciting. Yay, you're here. Hello. How are you going? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. The connection seems really good today. Oh, good. It's sunny. No more storms. <laughs> Maybe because it's in the morning as well, because we usually yeah. don't chat in the morning. Yeah. It's really Yay, super clear. Yay, I'm excited for today. Mm, me too. Good topic. Yeah, excellent topic. So, should we just dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Would you like to Amazing. begin us, Amy? Sure. So today we're diving in and our subject for today is rethinking supply chains. Um, And actually, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say, because this is an area that you focus on in your work, isn't it? Supply chain management is something Mm. you work with um, brands and designers on. And so um, I've written some questions for us today. Cool. (laughs) Great. Kick us off. Actually, I want to start with this quote that I um, saw Holly McQuillan 
wrote mm. and I felt like it was such a it really spoke to where we're at with supply chains and our conversations around supply chains right now um, because there's a lot of conversation around circularity and transparency but Holly um, wrote this quote on her Instagram and it said let me remember it said um, circularity without limits is not a circle mm. it's a downward spiral and transparency mm. without thoughtful action is just a window to gawk at others through and mm. i loved that because it really pinpointed the fact that i think in the mainstream we're trying to put on these solutions without the limitations and without the thoughtful mm. action and it's just not working um so I think the question that I wanted to kick us off with and ask you first was what do you believe we're missing here when we're having conversations around supply chain transparency or circularity or things like that? Mm, good question. Um, I guess, yeah, going back to that idea around circularity, I think it's a bit of a buzz word and topic at the moment, as everyone's probably seen and um, yes, for those of you that don't understand what circularity means, it's about keeping things within the, within the circle. So reusing, recycling, or if you have to throw things out, making sure that they biodegrade as food into the earth. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much about eliminating waste and eliminating, um, synthetic fibers, um, which completely does not address our production and consumption habits. It's a bit of a Band-Aid fix, a short-term Band-Aid fix, I believe. Um, even though people are, there's so much money being invested into it at the moment in terms of grants and governments because they are seeing it as something that's going to fix um, our waste issues. And it does address parts of it, but it doesn't address why we're creating so much waste and stuff and consuming it in the first place. So I think that conversation, that elephant in the room um, is missing. And obviously that's a hard conversation for businesses to have because it means that um, business, like we need to be creating new, new value systems that actually um, don't completely rely on selling loads of stuff and on people consuming it. And that's, kind of what we've seen in the past few hundred years. So it's pretty hard to reimagine. And um, that's, yes, yeah, so that's the main element I think is missing. And I guess another thing that I've been thinking about just coming up to this conversation is, um, I guess, uh, when we talk about supply chain, it's um, even that language is problematic. Mm -hmm. It dehumanizes um, everyone. Mm. that has um has a role to play within that um community mm. in a way and it doesn't talk about the um the in, like the role of nature within the supply chain within that um process um so i guess there's that heart element that's missing mm. you know it's been it's it's been made quite um um, linear and quite, um, I guess through a very masculine and rational intellectual energy that perhaps I feel it, it is missing that, um, 
that caring and that loving aspect. Not to say that this isn't being done already because some people have nailed mm. this within their work, but I guess talking um, on a broader scale, particularly with um, more commercial design. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you said. I think that a lot, um, a lot of the bigger brands are looking at ideas like circularity and transparent supply chains and trying to take them on board without changing the systems um, mm -hmm. as a way to say to consumers, hey, we're making the changes, but it's, it's actually to, I, I view it as a cop-out because without the systemic change, all you're doing is trying to, mm, I, I don't, I just, it just doesn't actually have the, it doesn't actually have the intended effect. Like if you, like, as Holly said, if you have circularity without limitations, it's a downward mm. spiral. And that's what we see with brands like H&M who are, have their take back yeah. programs. It's, it's not working. It's not going to work. It cannot work because without limitations mm. to your circularity, it's, it, it's not a circle. Mm. There's, you, yeah. you can't just continue to take from the earth um, without limitations and expect, or to continue to produce things without limitations and expect that it can go back into this circle. It's just not going to work. Um, and I think what you said about the words, it's something we've had a conversation about a few times now. And yeah, like you said, I, I was also thinking about these words as we were leading up to this conversation and thinking about even just when we, when we name our children as parents, we understand that the name that you give your child is so important because it's the name that your child steps into. It calls mm. them into something of significance by naming your child something. And the, and the research around it is there, that if you name a child mm. a name without meaning, they're far more likely to have depression later in their lives and things mm. like that. Obviously, our supply chain isn't a child, and this is a very different situation. But the point is that we dehumanize the very real people within the supply chain by naming it something like a supply chain. It completely, mm. it allows us, especially as the public who aren't, you know, operating within the industry to detach from the, the humans that are a part of that process mm. because supply chain in no way conjures up images of people it, it it's such a mechanical word in itself and i think the wording i believe the wording is super important because it allows us to visualize people it allows us to visualize that that um supply chain as being far more than just processes and systems and yeah you know yeah yeah totally agree it doesn't really um i guess going back to circularity what you were talking about it doesn't address the power structures we have in place yeah, sure <laughs> um at all so we can plast on all the circularity um initiatives that we want 
but it's not actually addressing a lot of these underlying root causes um, of sustainability that are creating inequality, gender inequality, um, more disparity between the developing and developed, for lack of a better word, nations, um, you know, the West still predominantly um, produces in the East, mm-hmm. um, East like in um, Asian countries, sorry. Um, and, you know, how, how are we giving voice to, you know, how are we letting these um, people who actually make our clothes, as well as the environment who makes our clothes, um, mm-hmm. how are we allowing their voices to sit at the table and that mm-hmm. circular initiatives do not bring this forth? Our no, current systems because... do not bring this forth. Absolutely. Because it's a Band-Aid solution that's being slapped on. It's not a holistic approach to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that there are labels who are trying to, you know, use circularity in a holistic way and they're, and they're doing it in a much different way than the way that big corporations Mm. are trying to take it on board. Um, But yeah, I, I feel like it, it's very much like, well, let's ignore all the issues we have in the supply chain. Let's ignore the human and environmental costs and we'll just, put this circular bandaid over top of everything and that will yeah. appease our, um, you know, our customer base for the next little while. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't at all feel genuine. And I believe that now is the time for genuine systemic change. And yeah, I mean, we've had so many conversations about this, but um, yeah, we, it's just not going to work without rethinking and like you said, the, the hierarchical structures of our supply chains, there's so many years um, of ingrained um, ways of doing things and ingrained belief systems that we as the public hold and that the industry holds around the hierarchies of um you know, of how things operate within the fashion system and supply chain. Again, that word to me allows the people and the environment that's involved in the supply chain to be placed very low Mm. um, on that ranking system because it's so dehumanizing. Um, It, it, it so detaches and, and it, and, supply chains in themselves are so vast and complex. And the fact that we have one word to cover all of that is just crazy. Mm. Um, It just lumps everybody in that, in that supply chain at the Mm. very bottom. And it's like, well, yeah, I think, I think it's really important to rethink what we call it. Mm. Totally. Mm. Absolutely. And I guess this falls into, I guess, a bit of our conversations around rhythms where if we're, if we do need to start rethinking these um, processes and these supply chains, what is this going to look like? And um, that's really going to begin with questioning the current rhythms of fashion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every size doesn't fit all. That's what we need to remember. Yeah. Um, different paces, speeds, rhythms for everyone. Um, 
you know, as diverse as we are as human beings, that's how our systems need to be created. But um, so I guess I'm wondering, yeah, if because so much of our production is done offshore and there is nothing wrong with that, but perhaps we do need to start um, perhaps having a, a global perspective, of course, because we are so interconnected and, you know, that's a beautiful luxury that a lot of us live in these days but um perhaps we do need to like get our um processes more localized um that can actually create community but still through global networks and um global sharing of information i'm not sure just you know thinking about how we could do things differently and um actually creating community as opposed to supply chain. I feel like what you're like what you're saying about moving things back on shore, working more more locally. I feel like that to me is like um, I tell people that I feel like everybody should go vegetarian or vegan at least for a month in their lives mm -hmm. because it forces you to actually look at what's on your plate. Mm -hmm. I feel like doing things like bringing your production back locally forces you to look at who's in your who's who's within your organization who's mm -hmm. operating within your organization what does your community look like and what resources are you using um what is where is the waste going it's far mm -hmm. more visual because it's on your plate and yeah I, for me it's kind of similar to e your eating habits if it's close to you and you can see what it is you're far more likely to do something about it but because yeah. we're so detached and like you said most yeah. of it is offshore it's so easy to be like well that's somebody else's problem yeah yeah just like just like rana plaza was it was just somebody yeah. else's problem it was so we, it was okay because it was so far away and we could detach from that and when we bring it back into our face there's real humans sitting in front of us yeah who have real needs um and yeah it changes the way that we think about that totally and this isn't to say there's anything wrong with international production um, especially totally because there's so many beautiful collaborations happening with artisans and designers all over the world. Um, but perhaps we, I think we do need more localized production in each country because I know just speaking from an Australian point of view, we've lost like the industry here is not doing very well. Um, you know, when I remember when my mum immigrated to Australia in the eighties, she used to work at clothes, factories that's what I guess all the immigrants did and now there's barely anything oh hi Wadla yeah <laughs> <laughs> Got another one on the yeah I mean, a special guest he knows uh, all about connection and community <laughs> oh yeah I bet he's gonna know everything listening to these comments <laughs> um yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is um also, um, it's going to, this is difficult because I think this is really ingrained in our economic system Yeah. with, yeah. you know, it's, it's obviously cheaper to produce offshore, but, um, so there's just so many, I guess it's so complicated and complex. Um, yeah. 
but we do need to, I think, really start re reimagining what this could look like. And even if it does mean that it's more expensive in the short term. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How do you, how do yeah, you see this happening? Just, it's not just ingrained in our economic system. It's ingrained in our, in the way we operate as a culture, because yeah. I mean, I was having this conversation with my dad the other day and my dad is uh, indigenous Maori and my mom is European. Um, uh, and that he was talking about the conversations that they had around land. So his land, which is his heritage land. And from her perspective, she said, what's the point of having the land if it doesn't make money or you can't sell it? And from his perspective, mm -hmm. he was saying, well, the land is my land. It's everything to my people. Like, why would I mm -hmm. ever sell that? And, and to me, that just pointed to the different, and it's not to wrong one way or the other, but it pointed to the different belief systems and that our I guess our collective Western way of thinking prioritizes mm -hmm. money making and prioritizes, um, you know, something that can generate revenue or um, generates the most revenue. That's that's a mm -hmm. that's a that's one of our values. That's one of our key values as the West. Um, and I think it's important to rethink um, how where in our value system that takes priority. Because um, currently I think that takes priority over the value of people, especially anybody who's not um, a part of that Western culture. So yeah. non-dominant cultures um, on the, our value system as a collective come below um, economic gain. And so, or, or, you know, um, profit. So if we could make a bigger profit margin on producing overseas, um, even though we, we might understand that the conditions aren't the best, yeah. then we will choose that because in our value system, that's prioritized over uh, peoples of non-dominant cultures. Um, and, and I think to recognize and acknowledge that is a huge part of this step in changing the way we think of supply chains because it's an uncomfortable truth. Um, and it's like the frog being boiled in the water. You, if you drop the frog in the boiling water, it's going to jump out. But if you slowly boil it over time, it's going to boil to death. And we've become so used to this way of being um, that we don't even question it anymore. And it's... Yeah. I think a huge part of rethinking our supply chains is first of all, acknowledging some really uncomfortable truths that we hold mm -hmm. some really uncomfortable beliefs that we hold um, around the values of different people and how we do prioritize mm -hmm. the value of ourselves over others. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important to acknowledge because acknowledging things like that are the first step to being able to then address those, mm. you know, long held beliefs that we have. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of the huge steps. Oh, that's, that's huge, Amy. That just, I think hit the nail on the head with a lot of stuff. That's um, colonialism still prevalent in the yeah. supply chain. And 
For sure. And I was thinking about this the other day. I've seen a lot of articles written recently on capitalism um, and using the word capitalism versus using the word colonialism. But I feel like we're able to detach more from that word because it doesn't put us, it doesn't put our personal beliefs under the microscope. Yes. We're not, yeah. we are not responsible for changing anything if we're talking about capitalism. The responsibility exactly. lies with the government so we can divert responsibility. But if we talk about colonialism, we have to address our immediate and our personal beliefs that we hold around people's values and yeah. the way we do business and the way we operate as a society. And that's super uncomfortable. So again, I think wording is super important when we address these issues and when we rethink supply chains. Absolutely. No, you're so right. It's like diverting that responsibility if we're talking about a political system mm. and i guess also to be honest like capitalism can be done well like we can we see people doing it consciously yeah, it's obvious, yeah. obviously not on the mass scale but it, it, it is happening so yeah. i think it's like you know people love to blame everything on capitalism but it, it's the people that abuse it like with anything yeah. i guess but yeah you're so true yeah. so it's I guess what, so there are like small, I guess predominantly small brands already kind of living this more um, connected community-based process. Small labels who are doing that. Mm. Um, and when you, but I think you can feel that when you're looking as an outsider in, you can notice the way they speak about. I mean, they're not speaking about supply chains, are they? They're speaking about their communities. They're speaking exactly. about what they have deep connection to, who they, you know, call their mothers and sisters and aunties and who they yeah. sit around tables having tea with and who they have. Um, and what's really interesting about these businesses is that they also have really great businesses that are thriving mm. um, for, for many of them are thriving from an economic viewpoint. Like they're making money and being profitable and being seen. Um, like I just think of um, Jean with um, Zazie, like you can see oh, her. In photo yeah. But you look at the way she talks about her supply chain. And these are her sisters and her aunties and she's spending time with them, having tea yeah. with them, knows their children. And the way she speaks about them is not as her supply chain, but as her community, the community of Zazie. And that's very different than the dominant way of doing things currently, which is where someone is above and, you know, is, is rethinking supply chains to be a co-creative process, I think. Yes. So that you are mm. involved in the community and you as the designer or creative are a part of it, yeah. but you are just a single part of it and everybody else holds equal value. And I think mm. that's what I see if we're using Zazie as an example, is that it's a co-creative process. Each person in it yeah. holds equal value um, and each person has their place and you know, as the creative or the designer, Jean's place is to be the voice for that. But it's, 
but it's rethinking. I think it's really important to rethink that. Mm. I think it's really important to rethink, you know, supply chains as being communities of people rather than. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. How do you think we foster more connectivity within supply chains? Like, how do you think we shift that from being a supply chain to a community? Well, there needs to be that connection aspect. You Mm -hmm. actually, as a designer, as the owner or founder of the brand or as part of it, you need to be in direct contact with those people like I, I i can't imagine it any other way i don't think like do you, like there needs to be yeah direct co- and i think that's involves real per in real life contact not only yeah. o- online um like hands-on contact like um i think that's going to be I, I think that's important um, and I think it's also about, like you said, that co-creation process. Oh, I love that word. Um, it's not, it's not about the designer anymore. Just, yeah. just about the designer anymore. I think we need to move past that, those hierarchies and fashion. Um, you know, it is always a co-creative process, but for so long the designer has been held at the pinnacle. Um, and you know what? There is, there is no such thing as a self-made successful person. I, I, I hate that when people say that yeah. because there's always so many people behind that person that helped them and allow them to get there. And I think it's the same with the clothes that we wear. Yeah, for you sure. Know. And, you know, and it might just, even if the designer is making the clothes as well, which sometimes is the case in small brands, but Mother Nature... Like yeah, the fabric, even if it is yeah. a synthetic fiber, originally comes from the earth. Where is yeah. the acknowledgement um, there? Yeah, and where is the communityness with the, with nature? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's so. Yeah, it's also gonna. I think it needs to be about cultivating connection to nature. That is an integral part of the supply chain. Um, and I think there also needs, I think that these days there needs to be a giving back element. Sorry, that was Father Bouchard. <laughs> where he's not, he's playing himself some music. Um, oh, cute. Yeah. How do you think you see that happening though? Like, do you think that it's, so if we're talking about designers needing to be um, in direct contact with their communities of, um, of makers of people who are making the clothes then do they also need to be in direct contact with the with the environmental locations that they're getting their resources from yeah quite possibly so going to cotton fields where their cotton is grown so that they can see the ramifications of yeah. the use of that fabric yeah Totally. I think there needs to be an integral, deep understanding. And that, yeah, I know that might seem like a lot because the supply chains are complex, but I I think it's important. Yeah. What do you think? I think that level of responsibility is essential. I don't understand why we don't 
have that level yeah. of responsibility to whatever we make. Like, imagine if you were responsible to visit the location where you're taking natural resources from. So, for example, if you're using cotton, you had to visit those cotton fields where that cotton mm. is grown. How profoundly changing would that be to our system? Because for labels that are using non-organic cottons that are sprayed with pesticides and herbicides and things mm. like that, if you were to visit those locations, you'd find people with um, so many... Uh, health issues you'd find villages that yeah. were profoundly affected by the use of those pesticides and herbicides you'd find children with cancers and yeah. all of a sudden the level of responsibility that you felt to your connection to those natural resources and to mother earth would be very different than mm. when you just outsource that job or you don't worry about that part of it and mm. i I believe that level of responsibility is essential. I don't understand why we are not required by law to have that level of responsibility mm. to our, our clothes being made. Why are we not responsible to know everybody by face and name? And this was another point that I saw, um, I, don't, I can't remember who I was listening to, but he was talking about transparency and how he gets these, he was getting these reports on transparency. So it said like, you have seven people working for you in this factory, whatever. And the only time he realized that something had happened to someone was when it went from seven to six or whatever. This is just an example. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't know anyone's name. So those seven could have just been seven people that were changing, seven different people that just kept changing, but they still had seven. So he mm. didn't know whether someone had died, whether someone had a, you know, serious illness in the family or whatever. He had no mm. idea because, and, and that's, when we're talking about transparency, transparency needs to be talked about in, in, in relationship terms, like transparency, what is her name? What is yeah. the name of her children? What is his name? How yeah. old is he? What do you know about him? That's not, it's not transparency to see numbers on a sheet. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I think a part of rethinking supply chains, I, I think I would love if governments um, required us by law to know the names of the people within mm. our systems to visit at least once to twice a year the locations all locations where we're taking natural resources from and non-natural resources so yeah. that we had this deeper sense of responsibility and understanding of what it means to create something yeah oh, I, I love how you bring up this idea about responsibility i think this is so essential and this is what's missing and um, obviously it doesn't always fall on the designer because if you're working on a big company, you've obviously got, um, sure. founders and board of directors, etc. but people at the head need to be made responsible for sure for not only the, you know, to see that all the good stuff that's happening, but, you know, it comes up with this idea of, um, these people, the founders of brands can be held liable for, ecological devastation and exploitation of people in the supply chain actually by law could it could that be a possibility because you oh know, i hope so <laughs> you know there's you know, there's been so many people bringing this up lately that um 
you know, within the fashion industry who is held accountable for all this destruction and perhaps if there was more of this connection element, that could be minimized. Yeah, and I think that if... I just lost my train of thought. I feel like if... if um... I feel like so many big brands and big companies are, and it's not just big ones either. It's, I feel like so many people are diverting responsibility. They're playing ping pong. Like, oh, it's the government's responsibility to enforce, um, you know, regulations around this. Oh, no, yeah. it's this company's or this corporation's or this organization's responsibility. Oh, no, it's so-and-so's responsibility. And it's like playing ping pong. Oh, yeah. no, it's their problem, their problem, their problem, their problem. And I feel like it's just trying to buy time. Like how much time, I feel like a lot of companies are like, how much time can we buy by mm. pushing out, um, you know, by diverting responsibility to somebody else, by pushing out, um, you know, by using Band-Aid solutions, by ignoring systemic change because it's yeah. inconvenient for us. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like that's not, it's not, we're getting to a point where it's not good enough anymore. Yeah. Um, and we're, you know, as, as the public is not going to accept that any longer um, and is really going to demand more than just um, Band-Aid solutions. I feel like we're getting to a point in history where things are either going to change dramatically or we're going to have a big problem. <laughs> yeah, well, it, they have to, and I feel like now it's getting so bad. Perhaps it has to get... I think it's getting pretty bad in most places and in terms of governments as well. Everyone's going right wing. So perhaps it has to get really bad to then tip, perhaps. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, that's human nature, isn't it? We all wait till the last minute in general till <laughs> chips really hit the fan before we're like, oh, well, now's the time. Quick, quick. <laughs> While we still can. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. But I really think that, like, for I, I feel like for um, creatives and designers and, and founders of brands that jump on these lives with us, who are really interested in in actually systemic change within their companies or within their brands or whatever, I feel like the first step is actually beginning to address your own um, your own biases and the places where you hold beliefs that are long founded around values within your supply chains and within your company. And I feel like when we begin to do that and we genuinely address those things, then we can move forward and look at where, where our company specifically or where our brand specifically is requiring different things within the way we operate. What do you think? What do you think? is the first step for somebody who's genuinely interested in rethinking their supply chain, but doesn't know where to start. Yeah. I think it's like you said, it starts from within. Yeah. Re readdress, like, you know, looking at our values, our beliefs, our thoughts, patterns. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is from pro, you know, societal programming. Yeah. Um, but sure. it, it, yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done on the inside for sure that can then get translated into the outside um 
which doesn't, which sounds a bit wishy-washy. But I think, I think it's like you said, it's important to really readdress those value systems where we think we're, we're higher and better than, and, you know, we, we all think that at some point it's. Yeah, for sure. It's human nature. Exactly. Um, Yeah, and perhaps start to re reimagine what what like you would like like it to feel like and like it to look like. Mm. Um and yeah, and perhaps putting putting ourselves in other people's shoes might be helpful here. Oh. It's it's hard question, isn't it? Because it's so complex mm. and it's it's a hard yeah. question because, like you said, it's an inner thing. It begins with an inner thing. But when you're operating within a dominant Western culture, um, that's like the practical has always been prioritized mm. and and kind of put as you know the king for everything. And that's why we're seeing things like you know, circularity and transparency not working because we're just taking the practical aspect and not applying it with the philosophical or an inner work. And when you do that, mm. you get a very unbalanced system, which is why we have the system we have today, because it's all based in the practical and all based in production and all based in reaching certain markers. And it doesn't value um, a spiritual aspect or a emotional aspect or a inner work aspect. And and so if we really want change, then let's try start trying out the things that we haven't valued at, up until now. Because yeah. valuing more of what we valued all this time, which is the practical, isn't going to get us to anywhere new. It's just, it's just mm. redoing, it's, it's not doing anything new. It's not, we're just trying on more of the same thing and expecting a new, a drastically new. Yeah result and that's not going to happen so i think it's it's i feel like it's always a hard thing to say to people well it starts with an inner thing it's it's an it starts with inner work because yeah. people are like well i don't really like that i want something practical that happens right now and inner work doesn't happen right now it's a process it's a muscle that you work out it's a connection that you cultivate over time and that's inconvenient and that's not that's not the solution people want to hear but it is an yeah. essential part of rethinking things and rethinking yeah. the system yeah absolutely and i think like if we all dig deep we will find that a lot of us have very similar values yeah that we actually most likely we'll be already living through that with our friends and our family, hopefully ourselves as well. Um, yeah. But why, why are these values being left at the door when it comes to business? Yeah, it's because within dominant Western culture, everything is compartmentalized. There is a box for spirituality. There is a box for earth. There is a box for business. There is a box for family and friends, and they're all separate. They never intermingle. And I mean, how many times do you hear this in our society? Like, you don't date within work. Like, I mean, it's just yeah. an example. Yeah. I'm not 
pro dating within work, but I'm just saying as an example, yeah. you don't have relationships within work. You, um, you know, like yeah. that's, that's for your home time. Like spirituality isn't a part of our business. It's not business. It's not practical. Like you hear that over and over. And so that's the yeah. dominant way of doing things. So it's no wonder that we have our, our, the way we treat our family and friends over here and it's drastically different to how we treat people within our business. Um, mm. But I think coming at it from a holistic perspective or for me personally coming at it from a perspective, looking at it from my own indigenous heritage where things are intermingled, where spirituality and the physical realm and mm. business and um, relationship all touches each other. It's all one. It all flows intermingled. Mm, wow. And when we look at a holistic way of doing business, it should all touch each other. And if we want systemic change, then we allow things to begin to touch each other. We allow mm. them to begin to intermingle and we see what happens. And I think what's really interesting about that is that I believe that for designers and creatives and business people who are wanting, who, who are desiring a deeper sense of fulfillment and connection within what they do and create, I believe that when we rethink our supply chains and when we view people as our supply chains as our community, whether it's the natural world or whether it's people, when we do that, we find a far more profound and deep sense of um, fulfillment within our work because connection and community is at the core need for all humans. Literally, babies will die if they don't have connection and, and mm. don't feel love from others. So if we return to that, that center and that that universal human need for connection, um, both to natural world and to people. And we bring that into our supply chains and we transform our supply chains from supply chains to um, um, brand families or brand communities, then I believe we're going to find ourselves being happier, more fulfilled people in business and creativity. amazing and yeah and then hopefully that seeps out into everything that's it can't not though right yeah exactly exactly um i think that's a beautiful beautiful note um yeah unless you have anything else to add i think that's a beautiful note to well, go off on he wants to add something <laughs> He's just adding his gaga -ga goose. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Okay. No, anything you have to add? No. Um, I wrote a few things down as well, but we've kind of covered them. I think that was a pretty juicy conversation, which we probably could talk hours about, but. Yeah. Which we do talk hours about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, amazing. Okay. Cool. Um, well, oh, um, so should we? Oh no, we'll we'll announce that on our our stories later. We we can announce it if you want. Okay, cool. Go for it. Um. Okay. So for anyone listening who's interested, we're going to do another roundtable discussion. We've started doing these um private Zoom room calls. Um, which are not recorded or shared on social media. They're just private places for exploration where we ask several questions 
So next week we're going to be talking about rhythms and um, exploring how we can create sustainable fashion rhythms for the future mm. that are sustainable for the self, community, and nature. Um, I think we're still working out a time next yeah. week because I think we've got a few time zones to cover. So it's <laughs> been a, a bit few. tricky. <laughs> but stay tuned. It would probably be around mid next week. We'll post more on that soon. But for those that are interested, I'm sure you'll find the information. Yeah. Cool. And our last one was amazing. I just have to say it was super cool. Yes. They're very intimate. Um, so if you're shy, they're super intimate. Yeah. Um, and like I said, they're not getting shared anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just a safe so space for exploration. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And see what happens. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I hope you have a good day, babe. You too. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. For today's show notes, to get in touch or sign up to our mailing list, you can find links at the bottom of this episode page. And if you are new to our community, then head on over to our Instagram at sustainability5.0 and our website www.sustainability5.world and follow along to stay up to date with our upcoming online and in-person events. If you found value in today's conversation, then we would so appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Through this, you're helping others to find these important conversations. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.